Ducey's folks. Yeah. Uh, well, in case anybody wasn't already aware, yes, this is Ski Suminski, and she's been playing with us for for I don't know several months at least. Yeah. And uh, Bubba, uh, this is maybe uh, his second month. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, yeah, we're really glad to have him. What do they What do they do besides What do they do besides cause trouble? Well, they add a lot to the band, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So, no trouble so far. Ski's a phys ed teacher. Am I right, Ski? I was. (laughs) Retired. You quit. And uh, Baba's a civil engineer. I'm not sure how civil... Not not civil. He actually uh, he he uh, does uh, I think software engineering, yeah, computer engineering for Nvidia graphics cards. Yeah, and he's he's Canadian. Yeah. Woo! Woo! Well accepted. Ski's uh, Ski's husband is is Bill. She called his his last name ends in Ski, so. Instead of going, what is it? Is it Samansky? Yeah. So she figured it's easier for her kids to remember Ski than to remember a polysyllabic last name. So she calls herself Ski. It's all right with us. We're good with it. Thank you for, sounds like a military vet, thank you for your service, (laughs) both of you. (laughs) Working with Brian up here, maybe that's fitting. Uh, Does somebody know how this thing got up to heaven? Oh, forget it. Time out. We'll be back with you shortly. There we go. Yeah, that's about about right. Thank you, guys. Okay. Uh, Let me read the scriptures this morning, the scripture. John chapter 12, as we continue our exposition, verses 27 through 30. Jesus now turns his thought in another direction. Now my soul has become troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify thy name. There came therefore a voice out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The multitude therefore who stood by and heard, heard the voice. They were saying that it had thundered. Others were saying, that an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice has not come for my sake, but for your sakes. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come into your presence, first of all, magnifying your great name in Christ Jesus, rejoicing in the gospel of Jesus Christ, through whom, by your grace, we have been saved through faith. That not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. We thank you for all here present, both those who know you and those who do not yet know you, but for some reason are drawn by your spirit to be in our midst. 
we pray they may come to know your salvation in Christ Jesus. We know there are many among us, our Father, whose spirits are low, whose hearts are heavy, whose minds are almost bent by the issues, difficulties, and the anxieties with which they have to cope. We pray your peace might rest upon them. We pray that during this service they may find hope, they may find comfort. We pray in all things for everyone here. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. I came in this morning. One of those times, I come in, I've got a routine, I come in, get on my computer, pull up everything to get it ready and distribute stuff to whom it's supposed to go. And then my stuff wouldn't come up. I needed grace, I want to tell you. <laughs> uh, so here we are. So I've got some notes, but not the notes I planned on. We'll see where we go. We might be in Exodus before we're finished. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It is good to see you all. Always good to have those of you who are guests. Pause. As I said in my prayer, I'm keenly aware as your pastor that every Sunday, many who are out here, sometimes I know, sometimes I don't know, then sometimes I know what you don't think I know. And I know there are a lot of heavy hearts Burden minds. I know that some of you, though you're not going to get up here and tell us, you could just scream. It just seems like life has gone south. You may not be older, you may be younger. And you just don't know what to do with things. It may be, the sun may be shining out there, but in your heart, it's not shining. Things are overwhelming. Well, this message is for you. You know, it might be your marriage. It might be your job. It might be, it might just be stuff buzzing around you like yellow jackets at a picnic. This message is for you. And uh, I'm not going to bring you a message. I can't bring you a message that's going to change every worry, chase every worry and every anxiety that might assault your life. There is none of that. If we didn't have these things, we would never grow in Christ. There's nothing that gets stronger without struggle. No living thing. But we will have these struggles, but they're all within our reach. Trust me, I know about struggles. So I can understand as your pastor the desire sometimes to cut and run, the desire just to shut people off and sometimes just shut them up. I can understand as your pastor how sometimes you may want to close the doors against the world and just tell everybody, hey, you think you got problems, friend? Let me tell you about heartache. 
and troubles you know nothing about. Go away, leave me alone. Just give me some peace and come back and see me on a better day. We pastors are human too. Sometimes that's the way we feel in our own weakness, and trust me, we've got it. But the example of the Lord who said to us, follow me, it says that we lay it all out there and we depend on our God and our insufficiency. But we know what it's like. Well, Jesus had just gone through this triumphal entry. Everything on the surface looked good. But the Lord was just looking days down the road and all these people going, Hosanna is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Where are they going to be when they drag him to the cross? Start pounding those nails in his hands and feet. Oftentimes that's the way it is in our troubles. And we wonder, where are people? I remember my father-in-law. This is not necessarily a Christian illustration, but it's an illustration of the kind of thing that goes on in life. Roy helped found the OCAW union. He's still an unbeliever. Not the national branch, but the local branch in his plant. Roy, Roy, like his daughter, was a fighter. <laughs> Pretty good. And boy, did he stand up for the men. Boy, he stood up for them. He was very principled. He was not one of these wild-eyed union leaders. Then there came a day when... Uh, I don't remember what the issue was. But he stood up for them all, about 2,100 of them. And he was not going to give an inch. Where did they go? Not one of them stood, not one stood with him. Disillusioned him for the rest of his life. Sometimes that's the way it is when you stick your neck out there for people. They're afraid of their job. They're afraid of this, afraid of that doesn't matter what you've done. And some of you have probably seen that in your own lives. And you're utterly alone or you feel that way. Maybe you're not, but you feel that way. You feel like people ask for prayer requests and you can... Your heart's about to break and cry out, but you can't say anything. Well, Jesus did on this occasion. He saw as we can't see down the road of peace, not far. He saw all this clamor and all this hand clapping and all these people virtually worshiping him. Some were, some were his true disciples, but he knew that was all going to go away and he was going to be tried in a kangaroo court. He was going to be hauled before the Roman governor, who would release him to be crucified. He knew, saw clearly, as in a dream, all the horror 
that he was going to face. Even his own disciples cut and ran. Even Peter would deny him on that night. He would repent. All the sheep would be scattered and the shepherd would be there alone. And the horror of it all hit him. Man, did it hit him full in the face. So he's pondering as he talks to his disciples. They're still around him. I'm going to paraphrase. Men, I want to tell you something. My soul is troubled. They're not getting it. That's sometimes why you don't want to say anything to anybody. They're not bad people. They're good people. They do care about you. But you know they don't get it. Not because they're hard-hearted. They just can't. And so you're in a position where why waste my breath? So I'll just be still. I saw Aussie like that back in about, I don't know, 92, when things were so heavy on her. They were very heavy on me. We handled in different ways. And she wanted to talk. This is the hardest time I've ever been in our marriage. By golly, I didn't want her to talk. I didn't want her to talk to me. I didn't want to hear about it. I said, oh, see, there are umpteen women in that church who just died to talk to you. I don't want to talk to them. I want to talk to you. I even got so frustrated, I bet a steering wheel. Their strength. When I went to trade the car, that was a funny thing to explain. Why is that steering wheel? It's down here under this light leading on the cruiseway. But our problem was nobody could understand, but you know who? I'd been there with her. No use telling you, him, not that you didn't care, not that you didn't love her, not that you would, but you just couldn't bear your soul. They'll look at me and they'll say, honey, I'm so sorry, pat you on the back, but they don't understand that she's falling apart. Some of you are there. The Lord Jesus was there, but for this, their sake, not his own. It was no psychological need on his part. For their sake, he wanted this whole chain of events to happen. So he aired out his soul. And he said in our way, I'm dying inside. My soul just seems like it's at the point of death. That's for you and me. For their sake, not his. What am I going to say? I see it. I see it so clearly. Am I going to say, which I could, Father, deliver me from this hour. 
Is that what I'm going to say? I feel like it. He did. This was not Jesus, the Son of God, speaking so much as Jesus, the Son of Man. Jesus on the human side. And he never invoked his deity to mellow out his suffering. Never. He endured it just like any man in this room, any woman in this room would endure it. Can't imagine Can't imagine. No, that's not what I'm going to say. The truth is, he says here as you read, this is why I came into the world. I came into the world for you, he tells those men. And he came for you and you and you, or as W.A. Crystal would say so well, somebody you. Somebody you, he came into the world for us. If he hadn't, we would have to die for our sins. He came to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He came that the Father may be just and the justifier of all who believe in him. That's why I came into the world. So in a way, he said, we may as well get on with it. And then he said in verse 20, 26, with heroic resolution. Father, glorify your name. Let's talk about that. What's that mean? What's the Father's name mean? Well, it's not a collection of syllables. It's not just letters. My name formally is James. But in this sense, it's not that. Nobody's interested in my name. They're more interested in what my name stands for. Trouble is there are so many Jameses in the world. It's virtually meaningless. But his name, the Father's name, is all that the Father represents. It's the character of the Father. Let me read it for you. I didn't ask him up there to put this up. Let's go back to Exodus. We were there. Go back to Exodus 34. Moses asked about this. This Bible just ought to flop. I've had it since 1970. But it's not cooperating this morning. Here it is. Moses wanted God to show him the Father. Show me your glory. I'm paraphrasing. Exodus 34, verse 6. The Lord says, I'm going to do that very thing. I'm going to show you my glory. So we'd expect a sound and light show, right? (laughs) No. His glory is his moral being. Verse 6, the Lord passed by in front of him, Moses, and he proclaimed the Lord, Yahweh, the Lord God, Elohim. Here's my name. Here's my character. I'm I'm compassionate and gracious, 
I'm slow to anger. I abound in loving kindness and truth. That's his name. That's not all of it. I'm one who keeps loving kindness for thousands, which is to say throughout the generations. I'm a God who forgives iniquity, yours and mine, transgression and sin. And yet he's a holy God. He's a God who does not mess around with evil. That's what he showed at the cross. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. That is, those who persist in despising him, despising his grace, spitting on the cross of Christ. He will visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the grandchildren to the third and the fourth generations. Oh my, how he loves us. At the cross, he proved that. Allowed his own son, the son volunteered, to go to the cross and to shed his blood in the midst of all that suffering to show us that God cares. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son with the son's full consent that whosoever trusts in him might not perish but have everlasting life. Let me tell you something about that God. If you spit on his son, if you reject him, you walk away from his grace, say, I don't need that. Get that crap away from me, as many people do. You will perish and you will be everlastingly punished. You cannot spit on God's son. That's who he is. And Jesus said, Father, glorify your name, which the Father was going to do at the cross. He was going to exhibit, as it never has been exhibited, the full range of the love of God and also the holy justice of God. He's both. Father, glorify. What's it mean to glorify? It means to magnify. To exhibit like a rainbow in full color. Glorify your name. Okay, let me talk about that a minute. I said in the word to the pastor, what's your prayer life? There was Jesus' prayer, not his only prayer, but that was a penultimate prayer of the Lord Jesus. In all of his earth, Father, glorify thy name. That's what he wanted to do every second Every day is to magnify the name of the Father in heaven. Well, what's it mean for you and me to do that? The same thing. Glorify name. Several years ago, well, many in quite a fact, point of fact, I wrote a prayer. Some of you haven't. I used to have it in my office. I had to take it down for some reason in there. And I'm not sure where I put it. It's probably at the house. It's called the unconditional prayer of the utterly serious. What are you about? What am I about? Well, if we're about the right things, 
this will be your prayer, same as Jesus. Father, glorify your name. What are the kinds of things we typically pray about? It's not wrong. It's not wrong. Hear me rightly. But it's what we leave out. Oh, Lord, please help me get along with my wife. Help us to hold this thing together. That's good. Father, help us to sell this house. Help us to find a house we're looking for that better meets our needs. Nothing wrong with that. Father, will you cure this disease that I just found out that the doctor says I have? Will you heal me? Lord, will you heal my hurts? And on and on. That's the typical kind of prayers. We have nothing wrong with those prayers. It's the end game, the end game that matters. Do we pray as believers? Father, whatever, let me glorify your name. The unconditional prayer of the utterly serious. If you don't have a copy and you want one, I'll put some in the resource room. Lord God, my singular ambition in life is to magnify you. Is that your prayer? I'm talking to those of you who are believers. I don't expect unbelievers to have that prayer. I care not what the cost Spend me as you please. Is that your prayer? Whether your job gets fixed, whether your marriage gets fixed, whether your home gets fixed, whether your kids get fixed, blah, blah, blah. Is that your prayer? On your arrangements, I place no conditions. You set the terms and limits of my service. That's what Jesus was saying in a capsule. My only prayer is that you ordain for my life whatever will glorify you most. Christ through me. If my Savior would be more honored through my death than my life, how about that? You ready to pray that prayer? Remember the Lord may punch your ticket. If my Savior would be more honored in sickness than in health, more in poverty than in wealth, more through loneliness than companionship, I don't know how many professing Christians I've seen just flip off the path because they were lonely, got into a relationship. Oh, my gosh, they should have known better. They didn't ask. Even if they did, they turned their back on you. If my Savior would be more honored, more by the appearance of failure than by the trappings of success, right there has been the biggest threat to my entire life. I can stand to die easier than to fail or appear to fail. Ossie knows that. If the Savior would be more honored by anonymity than notoriety, then your design is my desire. Only let me make a difference. Jesus said, Father, glorify your name. He meant all of that and more. Whatever it is, what I would pray for myself, I do pray that. Ossie knows. Pray for any of you. 
all kinds of things I want, all kinds of things I don't want. <laughs> no, 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 not that. But at the end of the day, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, if we're going to be disciples, learners of Jesus, then we need to grow to that point where we say, Lord, I'd like this, or I wish you would do that. But whatever, whatever, at the end of the day, I want to make a difference. And the difference I want to make is to hear at the last day, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You glorified me. You know, you don't have to experience all those things. What we have to do, must do, if we're going to honor him, is get ourselves in a posture where to him we say it and we mean it. He knows if we mean it, that we're willing to go there. If that's your will, I'm willing to fail or appear to fail. Don't want to, but I'm willing to. I'm willing to be humiliated. Don't want to, but willing to. I'm willing to die young. Don't want to. I'm willing to face poverty. Man, I don't want to. Or success. There's more danger in success than in poverty. Look at Lake Oswego. <laughs> oh my, the hardness. Dangers, great dangers in all of that. Never get over what the Lord Jesus said. Father, glorify your name. And then resoundingly from heaven, there came a voice. Not everybody recognized the voice. There came a voice out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The multitude who stood by therefore heard it. They were all hearing the same thing, and that was delivered. Some said it thundered, others say an angel was spoken. It was supernatural, whatever it was. And Jesus answered in verse 30, said, This voice has come not for my sake. I didn't need this affirmation. But I wanted you to hear it. I wanted you to know just how right it was. I want you to follow me. Be my servants. Take the same path. Walk in the same tracks. Seen parents in Alaska on TV, not being up there, who were teaching their kids the out of doors, how to hunt, how to trap. They're going through fresh snow. And I've seen a father tell his son, You walk in my tracks. Where I walk, you put your feet, and you don't have to strain yourself so much walking through fresh snow. I've already blazed the trail before you. Jesus blazed the trail before us. Oh, if we could just all get this one thing. This coming here to church, it's a great thing. If we're coming out to honor God, what I'm doing here is a great thing. It honors God. If I'm doing it for the right reasons and telling the truth. But if we're just going through it because we go through it, because we do it every week, it's a waste. We exist for no other purpose ultimately than to honor him, glorify his name, magnify him.
and of all of you. That won't happen. It's never like that. But if so many of you would just try, maybe you already have. I may be speaking to the choir. Say, really, that's all I want for my life. At the end of the day, I would just like to hear the Father say, you did. I have glorified myself through you. And maybe through your children and maybe through your grandchildren. What a legacy to leave. People who walk after him and glorify his name. You say, well, pastor, that sounds great. I'd like to do that. But you know, everybody needs encouragement. I'm not going to hear that voice from heaven. How do I know that I'm making a difference? I can tell you how, just like I told somebody over the weekend. Pretty simple. You've heard it before. Don't say, Pastor, will you just show me a ministry where I can go out and somebody can put a tag on me and say, Director of so-and-so, Director of so Just show me a ministry I can get invested in, get people around me and we go out and honor God. You can do that. It's much simpler than that. Much simpler than that. Like what? Just be what you're supposed to be. Go into the streets. Go into the home. Go wherever. Nobody's going to get it all right. I sure don't. But your intent before God is to go out. Pray. Just try to be what you're called to be. So you can look at heaven and say, Lord God, you know I'm trying. You're not saying, Lord God, you know I hit the mark. Too many times we didn't. <laughs> Got up in the middle of the night. I have this little thing here. It's just a little thing. And uh, a bandage had come off. I say, oh, it's not supposed to get dry. So I'm up in the middle of the night. And I'm trying to put some salve on it and get the bandage back in the right place. And I pinched my finger doing something, and I said, oh, damn it. <laughs> I didn't exactly glorify God there, although I don't think heaven was rattled by what I said, you know. But that was Jim. That was not the Holy Spirit. I don't get it all right, but I can say to the God of heaven, Lord, you know I'm trying. Do what you're supposed to do. Go where you're supposed to go. Now, all that's not crystal clear to us at times. But if we're growing in that direction, if we're praying in that direction, if that's the aspiration of our heart, you don't need to worry about glorifying him. He will glorify himself through you in ways that you will never see. You'll never recognize. Sometimes it's through our children, through our grandchildren. It'll reverberate down through the generations. At work, people know at work all those places can be hell holes for some of you and have been. You just thank the day you were able to get out of there. But whether you're a doctor, whether you're a nurse, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're an electrician, whether you're a plumber, whatever it is, the people you work with, you know, they'll know. They'll know. I know just as a freshman, Football player at West Virginia Tech. Freshman, you're nobody. You're nobody. But I remember the guys when we'd come in 
after two days in the late summer, sweaty, tired. I didn't say anything to anybody. I didn't go around preaching at people. But the guys would turn to me on their bunks and start asking me religious questions. They knew I was not like them. Who told them I didn't? They will know you. I go out sometimes in a workplace and I dare to ask, are you by any chance a believer? Big smile. Yes, I am. I thought so. Just by the way you carried yourself. Wonderful. You walk with Christ. They will know And that honors God, and that condemns everyone that will not receive him. They knew. They knew. And at last, heaven will say to them, you knew. You knew. And yet you rejected me. Well, folks, that's it. Who are you? Who are you? Well, I'm a member of Lake Bible Church. Good. But who are you? Are you a person who from the heart and the spirit looks to God and says, whatever the price, glorify your name through me. If that's the direction you're moving, you're moving in the right direction. This is off page. I see this stuff online. Five things, five things, if you do, you will be successful. I look at those things. Sometimes it's nine things. Sometimes it's eight things. I look at it and I laugh. People these days never define their terms. As one guy says, they, they confuse connotations with definitions. For example, what is hate language? Do you know? Nobody ever defines it. What is extremist? Do you know? Nobody ever defines it. What is success? Excess, success for us is radical Christian discipleship, the subtitle of one of my books. That's what it is. It's radically following the Lord Jesus Christ, not just a hum and a haw. It's getting serious about it. And asking God to take you and use you and spend you any way he pleases. And you will be tested. A friend of mine that I led to Christ, now passed away, very smart, very attractive gal. At one point, after she became a Christian. She went aside and she told the Lord, she said, Lord, teach me to be a woman of faith. She says, boy, did he. (laughs) Did he. All these discipleship, I'm telling you, is pricey. But it's worth it. It's the fullest joy you can have. You say, that's a contradiction, man. Not really. It's not the contradiction you've seen it is because all of us have experienced it. Walk with him.
a life full of joy, but oh my gosh, sometimes the pain. I don't see how that can be. Try it. You'll like it. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for sending your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world to redeem us from our sins. And we are sinners. We are lost. You loved us so much, but you also showed us in him your glory. When you showed us your justice, we thank our fathers. We look at this world. Is there no justice? There is justice all the time, every day showing up, but will show up in the end when the Lord Jesus returns. Help us to see it and to rejoice in it and to give you thanks for it. We pray if there's anyone here this morning, and there always are, some few, our Father, who make no profession of the Lord Jesus Christ, but they're here for a reason, for a reason. They may not even know why they're here. But we pray the Spirit of God would draw them into the saving arms of our Lord Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, that's an important an important message. And uh, Christ, he held nothing back. Uh, his sacrifice for us was total. He uh, he gave it all, and so we're going to close with a song that uh, where we're going to uh, confess to the Lord um, our desire to follow after Christ in that example. Um, that that we would just surrender our whole selves, everything that we have, to Him, um, and to sing. Um, what can I say? And what can I do? And